Hey, this is Nick. Uh, before we start the episode, I wanted to say we've been trying to stick to a regular schedule, releasing episodes every other Thursday, but we're putting this one out six days early because we learned that tomorrow, which is Saturday, August 24th, is actually National Waffle Day, and we just so happen to have a waffle episode coming up. Uh, it's a good one, the waffle, not the episode. Um, also, the sound in this gets a little bit janky a couple times. We apologize. Uh, but it doesn't last very long, so please just bear with us. All right. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Amy and St. Louis podcast. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Travis, and this is the New Lou Food Review. Today we're going to be talking about a new restaurant in the Grove called Iron and Rye. Yeah, so Iron and Rye is actually in a space that used to be O'Shea's Pub. And so it, O'Shea's Pub was kind of uh, battling with an image problem. So uh, they started out as strictly an Irish bar. They kind of devolved and not devolved, but evolved into a sports bar. And the owners just didn't like where that was going. So I read a little bit about this and had some confusion around the owners because... I saw in one article that was talking about O'Shea's that it was owned by Shay Landry, who added an O to his name to Irish it up. And then in other articles where they were talking about changing the the feel for it, they were talking about uh, Amy and Amrit Gill. And let me just say that they missed an opportunity to create a diner that specializes in fish so that they could have called it Amy and Amrit Gill's Gill Grill. No, they did not miss an opportunity there. <laughs> anyway, so there was an article in Sauce Magazine where Harry Lunt, who was listed as the Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing, which amazes me that they have a position for a restaurant called Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing. But uh, he said O'Shea's Pub originated as an Irish pub, as Travis said, and morphed into a sports bar. The Grove is always on the cutting edge of cuisine, and we thought with other large sports bars in certain areas of town, let's do something unique and different. And so they didn't take my fish grill idea, and they decided to base it on waffles. So before we get into what it became, I just want to say that O'Shea's um, had some of the best food um, that I've had in the Grove. So um, the food was there. I guess it was just the identity and what they wanted to be. They couldn't quite land on. So they completely revamped. They redid the space, and they came back as Iron and Rye, which is a waffle restaurant that specializes in Liège waffles. Yeah, uh, I read that Amrit... Uh, when he was in school, he had a roommate that was Belgian who would make these Liège waffles. And recently, he took a trip and went to a waffle place on the West Coast, I believe, and decided to make this his own. Uh, Liège waffles are known for having pearl sugar in them. That's a larger crystal that doesn't completely melt when heated. So it caramelizes without completely breaking down. And it gives it a little bit of crunch and sweet and delicious. Yeah. So the difference with these waffles is you actually don't really need syrup on them. Like they have their own like um, innate sweetness to them. Mm -hmm. uh, they're almost like a street food. So, it, you know, I think I made the comment that uh, if they don't sell these at street fairs in Belgium, they, they definitely should. Yeah. And they definitely do. I think it's one of the most popular foods there. Oh, well. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the menu also says a good one 
loses nothing when cold. And your wife wanted to push that to the limit. She's like, come on, let's take one home and like let it sit for a week and see if it's still as good. Yeah. Uh, and we did. And it was good. <laughs> but we also like the idea of this comment being made on a menu. So Taco Bell has a taco loses nothing when it has flies in it. <laughs> a taco loses nothing when some of the uh, ground beef is actually sawdust. Yeah. <laughs> So before we get to talking about it, we looked on Yelp to see if they had any reviews. And Yelp. Yelp. Eat Me in St. Louis podcast from St. Louis said, we stopped in for a July 4th brunch just a week after they opened. So that's us. You're reading our own review on our... (laughs) My bad. Oh, man. Um, it turns out that they didn't have any reviews on Yelp just yet, and I took that as an opportunity to write our first Yelp review. So check us out on there if you're on Yelp and want to have friends. We don't have any right now, so it's just like real life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so let's get to our experience. All right, so as as you said, we went um, on July 4th, but I actually went one other time since then. So um, I've been twice. The first time I went, I had the chicken and waffles, which they call a sandwich. So it's two liege waffles um, with uh, chicken thighs, which I thought was interesting, um, and uh, they're boneless chicken thighs, but uh, chicken thigh meat, and then uh, syrup, and it's served with breakfast potatoes. And then we also had just a plain liege waffle, because I wanted to see what the OG waffle tasted like. But before we get into the food, let's take a step back and talk about the environment here, because we have a brunch place, and when you walk in, it feels like a brunch place. It's very bright, large windows, uh, open area, a lot of seats. But then they have this full bar on one side of the restaurant. So were you ever there when it was O'Shea's? No. So it is O'Shea's bar. Like, it is the exact same bar as they had when they were O'Shea's. They just Um, put a new coat of paint on it or not? They absolutely just put a new coat of paint on it. I I didn't know if you were joking, but that's absolutely what they did. Yeah. Um, And it... It looks like O'Shea's. They took down um, the uh, shuffleboard. They took down all the bar games and things like that. But um, the full bar is still very much there. It seemed like it was too fully stocked for a brunch place. So I don't know if they're trying to play both sides of it. I mean, that it is a brunch place, but it's a brunch all day place. Yeah, but I don't know how that's bad. You know, like a, a <laughs> too fully stocked bar. Like, well, then don't order. You know, a Jen Ricky if that's not what you want at eleven a.m. Like, uh, or if it's not what you wanted since the nineteen forties. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mentioned that it's uh, an all day place. They have a wide variety of waffles that are on the menu. It says they have the sweet ones, the savory ones, and the middle ones. Yeah, so uh, they have the in-between, and they also have the sandwiches that kind of run the full gambit of... um, Some of them actually use Texas toast. They don't even use the waffle, but uh, most of them are waffle sandwiches, and the chicken and waffles actually fell in the waffle sandwiches category. So what did you think about that? So I thought it was a really interesting choice to use chicken thigh. A lot of places use chicken breast. They use either chicken breast strips, or they'll put like a wing and a breast on top of the waffle itself if they're going to do bone in um so i thought the thigh was a really interesting take it's a big movement right now um a lot of restaurants think that chicken thighs have a little more taste to them a little more flavor i wasn't surprised to see that but uh it, it was definitely a different take 
And then uh, the breakfast potatoes were actually really nice and crispy. They were like purple and white potatoes mixed together. They had a really nice finish on them, a really good uh, level of seasoning. And the amount of syrup they put on the chicken and waffle was actually just right. So the proportion to chicken to waffle to syrup, uh, nothing overpowered anything else. uh, And it was just, it kind of hit right where it should be. Yeah. I got the uh, bacon and cheese delight. That has two strips of bacon, uh, melted Havarti, and that's drizzled with uh, Funk's Grove syrup. Um, hey, have you heard about the great maple syrup heist? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait a second here. <laughs> um, okay, so I read about this recently that in, uh, in Canada they have a national reserve of maple syrup, which in itself is fascinating to me. Uh, because it shouldn't be. I, I'm sure America has that with corn or heroin, but uh, freedom. We just have a big <laughs> reserve of it under probably Iowa. I don't know. So, like how we have fifty thousand tons of freedom here, <laughs> Canada has fifty thousand tons of maple syrup that they keep in this facility. If there's like a bad season for syrup. They can fill that in and not have prices skyrocket. Yeah, just like if there's a bad season for freedom here. We have reserves, not a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Tapping into those reserves as we speak. <laughs> so, in between 2011 and 2012, someone stole 540,000 gallons from the reserve. And then they went on to open Iron and Rye. <laughs> <laughs> the history of Iron and Rye. Uh, that ended up being 12.5% of their reserve. And it was discovered because, you know, these are giant barrels, which, by the way, are 13 times the price of crude oil. Mm. And somebody was, like, climbing up them, doing an inventory check, just counting the barrels. And he grabbed one of them, which should weigh, like, a couple hundred pounds or something, and it gave way and fell over. And they realized that some of them were empty. And then they realized that a lot of them were empty, and then they realized that a lot of them that were full were actually full of water. Wow. Yeah. So this is a Ocean's Eleven-style <laughs> heist that apparently took place over the course of a whole year. And after the investigation, it ended up being worth $18 million. How you move 540,000 gallons of syrup... I mean, I have never bought syrup in a back alley, but maybe that's where I need to start inquiring about it. Well, you know, it is really expensive. If you get the legit stuff and not Aunt Jemima, it's like $15 a bottle. I mean, plus you're paying taxes for it. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to pay yeah. those taxes. No, it, it's best to meet a, meet a college kid. Uh, he comes over, he plays video games. <laughs> you guys drink some syrup together. You, you have to listen to his new song. <laughs> Um, so it ended up being that they, uh, accused 25 people who were involved in this, that they're, they're going to wait until Ocean's Eleven gets up to 25. <laughs> <laughs> and actually in 2013, Sony did buy a script for this and Jason Segal was attached to be in it and it was going to be a comedy because... Was it National Treasure Canada? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, international treasure. Um, <laughs> Seth Gordon was supposed to direct it, but then he decided to do Baywatch. Oh, great well, choice, sure. Seth Gordon. <laughs> uh, anyway, my 
waffle is drizzled with a Funk's Grove syrup. So actually, and the second time I went, that's exactly what I got. Okay. I really liked it. I thought the the Havarti was delicious. I It also comes with a little Hasselback strawberry on the side, and you can take a little bit of the strawberry and mix it with a waffle and get the cheese and get the bacon and have this amazing little bite that just has a full range of flavor to it. And for being uh, melted cheese and bacon on a waffle, it actually didn't have a really heavy flavor to it, which was nice. I mean, usually when I walk away from brunch, I feel like I can't move for the rest of the day. And so it was a really good balance of uh, all of those ingredients working together where it did give you that really nice, perfect bite, um, but it didn't make you feel like you uh, shouldn't do anything else for the rest of the day. Yeah, these are very uh, thick waffles, but the, the width of them is somewhat sensible, but it also didn't make me feel gross by the time I was done with it. Uh, that, that bacon is a thick cut. It was very good. Uh, my wife actually got the uh, Funky Farm apple, which she ordered with a couple of slices of bacon on the side or on top. That came with Fuji apple slices, melted Havarti, dusted with cinnamon, drizzled with Funk's Grove syrup, and topped with a basil chiffonade, which uh, I believe mine was supposed to be also. I didn't see any basil. In- oh, I totally got the basil. Did you? Yeah. Okay. So uh, that was actually one of the flavors that really jumped out to me was the basil on that. They might have had bad basil that day. but <laughs> uh, It was very fresh. Like, you could tell it was, like, really fresh cut basil. Good. Well, I'm going to assume that if it isn't fresh, then they just aren't having it <laughs> only the freshest of basil chiffonades for our <laughs> guests and did you try any of just the plain waffle i did i had a little bite of it and you're totally right that it can be eaten on its own and is very enjoyable doesn't need any syrup whatsoever so the second time i went they actually had syrup on the table so i tried it with a little bit of syrup on it uh and it really brings out the innate sweetness in the waffle but one thing i will say is they really have to walk a fine line because of that um the sugar that they use uh they have to make sure that they keep that waffle on the press long enough or that sugar doesn't melt and you've got big hunks of sugar in your waffle did you have that Yeah, the second time I went, uh, the waffle was a little bit thicker, which I think was also a product of just not keeping it on the press long enough. Mm -hmm. And then um, there were actually sugar crystals that you could literally pick out of the waffles. So, um, Oh, you've got one right here. Wow, that is a big crystal. (laughs) Really? Come on. What? (laughs) We're not going to act like we're really eating this food right now. Um, But it as... uh, kind of unpleasant as that experience was the waffle was still great when it was done they just have to make sure that they really apply the right cooking time to those and your wife got the brie on perfection yeah so uh do you have the ingredients in front of me i do uh pear uh house-made onion jam melted brie and drizzled with a balsamic reduction and i have to say when this came out this was the prettiest plate on the table And I just wanted to shove everything else aside and take it from her. (laughs) So she thoroughly enjoyed that one. Like, that's why we've gone back already before we recorded this episode is she um, 
she enjoyed that dish so much, and uh, she just wanted to recreate that experience. Did she get the same thing again? Uh, no, she didn't. She actually... <laughs> uh, well, uh, that's the thing about good dishes at restaurants, though, is it makes you want to try other stuff. Yeah, I, I've gone both ways on that. I've been so excited about something, I wanted to see what else they had to offer, and then I've gone to places and liked something so much, I just couldn't imagine it being any better than yeah that. yeah like you'll never order something else yeah yeah so i've i've definitely done that with a few places where it's like i just want this so let's go back and get that and then i'm like well i should try some other things and then i'm let down so uh i see what you mean but the second time we went she actually got the funky farm apple um so she got what angie got the first time and i got what you got the first time uh so we recreated your meal on the second experience is this a single white female situation yeah basically okay. uh we we want to eat the food that you eat and then we'll take over your entire lives uh and then i'll host a podcast with me which is my <laughs> ultimate dream uh so she got that uh the second time she really liked it she wished she would have gotten uh the pair that she got the first time uh because i i think a little bit of the second experience not being as great was they were understaffed they had one person working the front of the house. They had one person cooking. Uh, I'm sure they were trying to rush food out the door because it was it was pretty crowded. It was a Saturday uh, at noon, which I'm assuming is one of the busiest times for a brunch place. I think that's one of the things they have to get ironed out is proper staffing. Iron and right out? Yeah, they have to get it ironed and uh, right uh, and then... That was terrible. <laughs> I was going to cut it until you said uh, that. <laughs> no, she cut that. Cut. Um, when we went the first time, uh, it was July 4th. I wasn't sure if it was going to be crazy busy or not. Uh, and there were only a handful of people in there. They had only opened the week prior. So clearly a lot of people have seen our Yelp review and have started <laughs> coming more often. Or maybe it's the bottomless mimosas. It's definitely the bottomless mimosas. And, and one thing I will say is they had a different service model on weekdays than they did on weekends. So on weekends, they come to your table, they take your order, they bring you the check. But uh, during the week, you actually go up to the bar to order and then you go up to the bar to pay. Oh, okay. Uh, did you get the bottomless mimosas? Uh, we did not because we thought they went until two o'clock and we showed up at 1130 and realized they only went until noon. So we were like, well, mm. this isn't really worth it to get one mimosa and call it bottomless. So, uh, Hannah did get a mimosa. She thought, um, Hannah is a tough mimosa critic. Uh, it's one tough mimosa. If, if she was to have her own podcast, it would be like Hannah drinks mimosas. Mm. Um, <laughs> But she and likes, she doesn't even criticize them. She just yeah. <laughs> drinks them on mic. <laughs> and then she just talks about whatever <laughs> she wants to talk about. Uh, um, can we can we fund that? Can we make this happen? I, I would love. Yeah, okay. maybe, maybe we'll just do a segment where we give Hannah like six mimosas and then let her talk Perfect. about whatever for five minutes. But she likes it basically enough orange juice to make drinking champagne at breakfast acceptable. Just a touch of color um and she thinks that they uh deliver that she is like i i love their mimosas you definitely get what you pay for here uh so speaking of orange juice that's actually something that i got the first time and being a brunch place i was a little surprised that their orange juice came in a bottle uh it was minimate orange juice that you grabbed out of a fridge yourself and um you know i'm, I'm not trying to be overly picky or um you know judgmental about their choice of juice but you would think with a brunch place featuring mimosas so heavily that they would 
have fresh squeezed or at least not ruin the illusion by having you grab your own Minute Maid out of the fridge. So were the mimosas made with bottled orange juice? Uh, yes, they were. So we saw them like make... Individual bottles or... Uh, it was a larger bottle of oh, okay. Minute Maid orange juice. So like same same orange juice, but uh, just in a bottle they had behind the bar. I honestly wonder if they'll move away from that in the future. If they'll have like a like higher quality orange juice, but with them doing bottomless mimosas at the price they're doing them they at have to be doing it at a quantity. Yeah. That... So, you know, maybe that's part of the strategy, but at least for, um, if you order an individual orange juice, I would hope that they would give you something a little more than, you know, a bottle of Minimade. So we're going to get to the reviews. I'll go first. But, so what did you think about iron and rye? We loved it. The Grove is one of my favorite parts of town to get a bite, and they have just an ever-growing group of great restaurants, but they don't have this. Or they didn't have this. Now they have this. And I think it's a good addition to it. The food was well-plated, beautiful. I thought it was delicious. The staff was super nice, kept checking in on us regularly, filling our coffees. The menu is somewhat limited. We didn't talk about how they, they do also have a few soups and salads, uh, but they're they're not uh, there aren't a lot of them. I didn't try any. Yeah, I mean, if if you were to take a glance at that menu, you would definitely think I need to get something with a waffle because that is seventy five percent of their menu. Yeah, if you're gluten free, just pass on this. They have gluten free waffles. Never mind. Yeah, so you can actually request that your uh, waffle come gluten free. So oh, man. no worries about that at all. But yeah, within the realm of waffles, they have a good variety in that. Some of the best waffles I've ever had. I don't know if I've ever had a better waffle. The only other thing that I'm curious about trying is the grilled cheese, which is made with Texas toast that's been waffleized. And the first time we were there, I was there for the waffles, so I didn't get that. But I wonder why they didn't go with that, since they do have a lot of other options with cheese on them. The, the um, Havarti, and I tried some of my wife's with the brie on it. Uh, they tasted great together, so I don't know why the cheddar or whatever they have going with the grilled cheese uh they decided to go with texas toast but uh, maybe i'll ask if they can substitute yeah i i actually think that's got to be intentional you know oh. like with so many other waffles coming as sandwiches like i i almost wonder if you'd be let down if you substituted a waffle for the texas toast because obviously they want you to try the waffles so if they're gonna put texas toast instead you got to think there's a pretty strong reason I mean, I'm I'm going to assume it was intentional, and they didn't just accidentally bring a bunch of <laughs> Texas toast in there. But and you know, Texas toast grilled cheese. If I saw that on another menu, I'd be like, "Hey, that sounds great." But I was just curious why they went for that instead. Um, I think overall, I'm going to give it a four uh, and a solid four. It, it it's a place I'm going to be going back to, um, and like I said, it's a great addition to the Grove. So when when I think about Iron and Rye, I, I think about the the food, which obviously we should because it's a food review podcast. But uh, the food is outstanding. Um, the, the waffles, I agree with you, are some of the best waffles I've ever had. What they do with the waffles is innovative and outstanding. Um, you get sweetness. You get uh, richness with the cheese and with the bacon. The choice of using a chicken thigh comes across really well in this. Uh, in the first dish I had, uh, the waffles by themselves really hold up, which I was kind of surprised at. Um, 
Really delicious. The sugar melts perfectly in those waffles, uh, caramelizes inside. You get a crisp, sweet, but not overly sweet bite. Um, it's just everything around the food that um, they need to f- focus a little more on. So uh, the... Second time we went, uh, the restaurant was understaffed. There was one person working the front, one person working the back on a Saturday at noon. That that just seems like a kind of a silly mistake for a restaurant to make. It was it was strange, and it was strange, and uh, people's experience suffered. So there was one table that uh, you know they ran out of waffle batter, so like they had to wait an extraordinarily long time to get their food. Um, there was one table that they sat down and they had to sit there for quite a while before someone came up to them. Um, you pair that with you know a brunch place serving bottled orange juice. Um, that that just seems a little bit off. So it seems like they have the food down. It's just all the other parts about being a brunch place that they need to hone in on. Um, as I said, the second time I had the waffle, the sugar wasn't melted. And that seems like a silly mistake um, that they made because they were trying to rush the food out the door, probably because they were understaffed. Um, all that being said, the food is so good. I'm giving this place a four. Like, it, it's outstanding. I would go back. Every time I go back, uh, the second time I went, I was actually hoping they would have some of the little bumps they had the first time ironed out. Uh, they didn't, but I, I just feel like any day they could fix those simple things and this would be, uh, a borderline or ac- actually a overwhelmingly five-star experience. So, um, I, so it's th- like a, you have a, a four, but you're on probation. This could go to a three. This could go to a five. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those, if, if I go back a year from now and they're still having all these problems and it's three, because yeah. you should clean this stuff up. Like, um, and the weird thing is, like, they owned O'Shea's. Like, this isn't their first... Possibly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, possibly. But, you, you know, they, it's not their first, like, step into the restaurant business. They've done this before. They should know, like, all of these little things. But I'm sure a Saturday at noon was not a popular time for an Irish bar. But it is for a brunch place. And so staff it like you would a Saturday night at an Irish bar. If they clean those things up, this place is going to be a gem in the Grove. It's going to be somewhere that you should uh, mark down as a go-to brunch place. If people come in from out of town for brunch, you take them here. Uh, The deal they have on bottomless mimosas almost makes me forgive the uh, orange juice situation a little bit. Um, But I'm just saying if if they can just tweak a few things, this is going to be one of the best places you can eat on Manchester. All right. How much was that bottomless mimosa, by the way? Uh, it was either twelve or thirteen dollars. Okay, not a bad deal. No, not at all. Especially if you consider like you could get there at seven a.m. and stay until noon, and you know five hours of bottomless mimosa. That yeah. that's a really excellent deal. But if the service is still suffering, that could mean two mimosas tops. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully they find that happy medium. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, no, really. My only final thoughts. I know I went on a rant there at the end, but it was. Uh, you know, I, I just hope that they figure out little uh, ancillary things that they have going on because the food here is so amazing. You should definitely check it out. Um, and I am really excited to have this place in the Grove because, yeah, I, I agree with Nick. I think this is something that the Grove didn't have and something that the Grove will definitely embrace. Yeah, I also agree with me. Uh, all right. 
please uh, subscribe, rate, and review us on the podcast stuff. Those do contribute to making us available to more people being recommended. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Yelp at Eat Me in St. Louis Podcast. And if you have any comments, uh, we've got a website, eatmeinstlouis.com. You can leave them on the episode and uh that's it thanks everybody yeah and not only would we love to hear about what you think about the episodes but if there's anywhere that you feel like we should definitely try and give a review just let us know because we would love to uh open our area a little bit more than uh where we've been going to uh we've been trying to hit as much of st louis as we can but we're always open to new suggestions so yeah let us know uh thanks everybody and tell mitch i said hi (laughs) 